I have a suggestion. Can we take up an offering tomorrow morning for our ministry and let him preach? <laughs> I'm just teasing. But uh, give the Lord a good hand of praise for your pastor. You know what? Um, it's not everybody that really understands the fivefold in the apostolic prophetic. And I really want to say it again. Uh, uh, I love it when he does these little teachings. Um, uh, you are so blessed here in the middle of nowhere to have such a great gift. Amen. 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 Come on. This is in the middle of nowhere. It's beautiful here, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Okay. I have the gift of always saying something that there's a little, there's a little push to it. Amen. Okay. We're going to have a good time tonight. It's going to be a great night in the Lord. And, um, and again, th there's more significance to these meetings than, than just, uh, I love the, what you said. I don't like firecracker meetings. Uh, you know, a few days ago, it was July 4th, and my wife and I watched how people blew up all the money into the sky. And I said, there goes another $100, there goes another $100. Well, if you have the money to blow it up in the sky, blow it up. I did not buy one cracker because I like my money in my purse. I don't want it to be in a big bang and then it's gone. But sometimes, you know, church is the same. We put the emphasis on the big bang. In the meantime, when the bang is gone, there's nothing left. Okay. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14. And... Um, I love what Smith Wigglesworth said, and I know that I've quoted it to you before when he said, some read their Bibles in Greek and some read their Bibles in Hebrew, but I read my Bible in the Holy Spirit. And the problem is when you read your Bible in the Holy Spirit, you feel like a cracker because the, the, the word becomes like, it, it, it explodes. And I hope it does not happen tonight to the extent that I preach five sermons in one sermon, because uh, you only invited me for three, and uh, why shall I give you five? But <laughs> in Mark chapter 14, it's a phenomenal story, and you know the story about the woman who's going to break the flask, and, and um, the Bible says in verse 1, and after two days it was the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take, might take him by trickery and put him to death. So in verse 1, you have a summary of the intentions of the people that is in the house. Now, there were a, a trickster in the house. There were, the scribes were there. There was a apostolic leadership in the house. There was a lot of people in the house. And they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he sat at the table, and a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil, and she uh, poured it out on his head. And then in verse 4, there were some of those who said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? Everybody say wasted. So they say waste, which was not really a waste, but it's amazing that some sometimes things happen in the church world, and uh, some people think it's necessary to break the flask, and other people consider it a waste. Uh, waste, in your eyes, is not always a waste in somebody else's eyes, but they said it was a waste. 
And uh, it must have been, it could have been sold for 300 denarii. It's amazing that they even knew the price tag. And then they said it could have been given to the poor. It's amazing how some people always criticize what other people give when it's not their money that's involved. I mean, you should have given that to the poor. You should not have done what you've done with your money. Well, it's my money. This is what happened here. So um, the reason she did that is because she was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to talk to you tonight about premeditated acts in you, A-C-T-S, premeditated acts in you that could change the world. How many of you believe that you are worthy ground for God to invest a thought in you that could change places, regions, people? Come on. Premeditated act. So here we have an incredible story. Um, let me just say this. When you give $5, you can give that in a flash. But when you give a flask of oil, and uh, Mike Bickle wrote about this, and I noticed that he said it was equal to about $30,000. When, when you're going to go to a party and you're going to pour out $30,000 of oil on one person, you're going th to think it through. Come on. How many of you realize there's a difference between giving $5 and giving $30,000? There's a lot of thought that goes into giving $30,000. But it was a premeditated act. So sometimes there's something in us that we premeditate. And that could be a dream, a vision, a stirring of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit works in various ways. You say, well, why do you bring such a word to us? We are here in the middle of nowhere. Church. God does not see value in people that live in Dallas and less value in people that live in Arkansas. In God's eyes, we are all equal. And God can invest in somebody in this place tonight a thought, an idea. Not only to conquer the world, it could be a business idea. But God cannot show you what is in that idea unless you bring it to the party and release it. There must come a moment that you get out what is in you and reveal it. And that's, this is what she did. So this is just a little bit of background. And, and there's a few things that we can minister here about. Uh, we can spend more time on the word waste. And we can look at the word fragrance. And we can look at the fact that she went global when she broke the flask. But uh, this is a profound story. It was, it was a moment to honor in a certain sense, this is also honor-giving. And there's a difference. Honor-giving is not something you do every day. But this is, an, in a certain sense, if you want to talk about giving, this is honor-giving. Where she honored Jesus. Uh, and um, it was about two liters or one pound of oil. And now she's going to break it and she's going to pour it out in one sitting. One sitting. That's a lot of money. One pour. One time. Now, this was just a few days before the crucifixion. The other thing is she must have had it in hiding. Because if, if you carry oil that is that expensive, everybody in your family will know it. That's worth so much. So when she came to the house of the leper, she must have had it in hiding. 
I don't think she was in discussion with anybody that I'm going to do this. And uh, there comes a time that you need to be with the Lord alone and you need to discern this thing that is in me is a stirring and I cannot get rid of it. And normally when you cannot get rid of it, when it's a vision or a, uh, uh, that is in front of your eyes or a stirring in your spirit, it is God. And uh, the reason the Lord wants me to talk about this is because the Lord said to me, it's time that you get out of my people what they will not release unless you tell them there's something in them. Because many times people have the approach that, well, I'm not worthy and uh, I don't think God will really use me and uh, I'm not that significant. That's where you can make the greatest mistake of your life. God loves to hide his greatest giftings in pretty ordinary people. Um, and uh, God is not like Hollywood and, 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 and not like the world, only the who's who. They have the gifts. No. God hides his gift in very, very ordinary people for an extraordinary moment. Now, uh, you know the story that she exploded in a moment of wastefulness and um and and that's what they said they said this was wasted now in a certain sense you can also say that that was her worship when she poured it out on jesus that's that's an act of worship so what what she saw as valuable was wasted the other the eyes of other people but church when we come to worship uh we should never allow our worship to be judged by other people because it's not directed at them. Come on. If my worship is aimed to make you look good, then at least you can tell me whether you like it or you don't like it. But my worship is not aimed at you. My worship is unto him. So if you don't like my worship, so be it. It's not aimed at you. Come on. And before you criticize my worship, make sure that you do a better job yourself. Come on. So if I break my flask of $30,000 worth of oil and you cannot do $30,000, but you have the $30,000, but you choose not to do it, don't criticize me because I broke my $30,000 flask of oil and you did not yet. So at least I'm at a level of revelation that you're not at. So don't criticize my worship. You see, sometimes when I get intense in my worship, somebody will say, I don't like that. Well, you don't know what I saw in Christ. Because what I saw in Christ normally has something to do with the way I worship. If I bring Jesus into this house tonight, the way he walked on the earth, I will change the atmosphere in this place in one split second. Come on. If I bring Jesus into this building tonight, the way he walked the earth those days, I'm telling you, I will not tell you how to worship. I will find you worshiping and I will not be able to stop you. Something will happen with you. So, it has to do with your revelation. Now, um, when she broke the flask, and, 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 and let me just focus on the word waste. When we look at the word waste, we will find waste in all of our lives. 
Some people will say, well, when they look at me, they will say, well, you're 34 years in the ministry. You, you travel every week of your life. You, um, you, you sacrifice your life for many, many churches in America and beyond. Uh, and some people, I, I had a businessman, uh, two businessmen. The one just a few months ago came to me and said to me, uh, you have great giftings in you. You can, make a, you can be a very wealthy man. Uh, you could have been a multimillionaire a few times over. And and he said to me, uh, why do you dedicate your life to the church? Why don't you take all the energy you put into traveling? Uh, and he doesn't understand. And he, he, he honestly felt that I'm wasting my time. Because when he got an indication of where I travel, how much I travel, he considered that a waste. Come on. When you look at missionaries, martyrs all over the world, and you, and you look what people sacrifice for the gospel, you say, well, that's a waste. Well, in your eyes, that's a waste, but uh, out of that waste, so-called waste, will come a fragrance. Come on. And uh, so, again, uh, you know, people don't understand why I do what I do for the kingdom, uh, but I do it because... Uh, I, I've premeditated this thing, and, and I have no option. I feel like before this party is over, and before my season is over, and before this segment of time is over, I need to get my flask broken because, you must understand, church, her act was also prophetic. So it's an act of worship, uh, but it was also prophetic because Jesus later on, he said, she, she anointed me for burial. Wow, Jesus actually, when Jesus said that, Jesus actually said, she knows I'm going to die. So, so when Jesus said that, the, the man that's going to that's gonna trick Jesus was sitting in the house. So when Jesus said, she came to anoint me for burial, uh, Judas could have said, what do they know about what's in my heart? They just, he just said she anointed him for burial. Does she know what I plan to do? Come on, church. Can you see? Double agendas, same house. But although there was double agendas in the same house, what I like about this woman is her worship was not affected by who was in the house. I mean, there was a, there was a murderer in the house. But church, even if a, a satanic worship, worshiper sits next to you. Don't let them influence your worship. She decided, I, I don't care who is in the building. So when, when Jesus said that she anointed him for his burial, she was actually prophesying to Judas that you're planning to do the wrong thing. Because the one person's revelation about Jesus is so shallow that he will betray him. The other person's revelation about Jesus is so deep, she will give $30,000 of oil. Can you see the two revelations on, on the two extreme ends? The one guy sees Jesus as worthy to crucify and, and betray. The other person says, no, my revelation about this man tells me I need to break my flask and I need to do it now. So what you will find in the, sh in the house, there were two groups. 
So church, um, waste. We all have waste in our lives. Uh, uh, sowing our tithing, sowing offerings, coming to church. Three services in a weekend. People see your car standing outside the building. They don't understand it, that you can go to church three, four times in a weekend. People looking at your life and they will say, I will never waste so much time in church. I don't know why they go to church so many times. You see, your revelation will determine why, come on, it's your revelation that's got you here. It's not because you are good. It's your revelation of who Jesus is that say to you, I want to go to church. I want to be there because somebody else said, what do you see in Christ that you go to church three times in a weekend? You see, that's where the difference is. So what is waste in other people's eyes is worship to you. Now, uh, waste, uh, that is just waste in our own lives, and I don't want to go into the depth of that. But her premeditated act became a fragrance that filled the house because not only did she broke the flask, but the moment she broke the flask, she released a fragrance. And I will say a little bit more about the word fragrance later on. Uh, now her worship fills the house. And the nostrils of the trickster and the nostrils of the murderer and the nostrils of the religious people and even the nostrils of Jesus and the woman, everybody's nostrils were filled with a fragrance. Now, there's a lot of preaching that can be done just on fragrance. So in your worship and whatever you do for God, whether it's a waste to other people, it releases a fragrance. And um, now when you look at the word fragrance or when you look at waste and fragrance, you must understand that in the natural when you come to church like this, many of you, I hope you did this, but I hope you put some eau de cologne or some perfume on your body when you came to the building tonight, especially the woman. Come on. If you haven't done that, don't hug me, okay? Now, where does perfume come from? Perfume comes from a plant. But in order to get perfume in a bottle, you need some plants to be wasted. So a plant must be crushed or wasted. Come on. When you go to France, you will see that they will crush and destroy plants in order to get an extract so that they can get the extract, put it in a bottle, and charge you $200 for the extract. So the plant is crushed, wasted. The extract can only be taken from the plant when the plant is destroyed. You cannot get the extract out of the plant unless you destroy the plant. So there's always a price involved before you can get to fragrance. And uh, so the oil that she uh, poured out on Jesus had a price tag on it because it's a fragrance that came out of a process of destruction and, and, and plants being destroyed. That's the natural process. So a plant needs to be plucked, bruised, broken, mistreated, and abused. That's just a plant. And, uh, and that's where they all came from. Now, we're not interested in the natural process. The Bible says, brokenness release fragrance. Uh, Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Now, uh, I will move away from chapter 14, and then I want to go into something else, which is actually a whole sermon on its own, and then I'm going to come back. But let me just reemphasize. 
When she broke the flask, she released the fragrance, and the fragrance influenced two groups of people in the house. Everybody say two groups. There were two groups of people in the house. The one criticized it, and Jesus was the one who stood up and defended her. Come on. Jesus defended her waist. Come on. He did not call it waste. He defended what she did. Now, uh, in 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, not 2 Corinthians 4, um, I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 6, excuse me. I want to read to you a few verses uh, from the life of the Apostle Paul. How many of you heard about the Apostle Paul? Incredible guy. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, uh, and much of it was written in prisons. When you look at the Apostle Paul's life, you say, man, that man's life has fragrance. But when you look where he comes from, you will find out uh, why there was so much fragrance in his life. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I just want to read you what the waste list, everybody say waste list. Come on. I want to read you what the waste list of the Apostle Paul sound like. Because we know what fragrance came out of him, but Let's see whether there was a waste list in his life. It says there in verse 4, But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God, ordained by the assemblies of God with a certificate, in much patience, tribulations, needs, and distresses. Right there, if you are not called, you will resign the ministry. Come on. Watch what he wrote. He says, in stripes, I don't like that either. Imprisonments, man, that is a jail record right there. Tumults, labors, sleeplessness, fastings. Horrible, but that's the waste list. Come on, that's the waste list. Unless you have a waste list, I don't want to listen to your preaching. Because good preaching does not come out of a Bible school. Good preaching, the best preachers preach out of a, a list of experiences. Now, it says that by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering kindness, by Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. Watch this, evil and good. You see, I would like people only to say good things about me, but some people choose to say evil things. He says, evil and good report, deceivers and yet true. So what Paul says, sometimes we would treat it like we are the deceivers, but we actually stood for truth. I just read an article today in South Africa, a very dear friend of mine, a man came into the church and just, just was so demon-possessed, it landed up in the main newspapers in South Africa, and, and I read through the story, and I said, can't they see that man, that man is demon-possessed? But you know what the newspapers does? They paint the man of God as... Don't you look at what the man that came into the building that was kind of demon-possessed and what he cost. No, the man of God was now the guy. You see, that's what happened. That's what Paul says. He says, men, sometimes we are the deceivers. Unknown and yet well-known, dying, dying... Oh, my goodness. So but what he said is, he said, man, I, we were dying, but yet we are still alive. Church, does that sound like waste? That, that's the waste, of, uh, waste list of the Apostle Paul. Chastened and yet not killed. <laughs> Chastened 
not killed yet, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So that is just the waste of the Apostle Paul. Now, when you, when you, again, when you, when you look at that chapter, he broke the flask, or she broke the flask, released the fragrance, and now the fragrance is in his hair, it's on his garment, it's all over his body, it's in the nostrils of all the people, and, uh, and, no, and everybody realized who this woman is. All of a sudden, she's in the middle of all the attention. They criticized her sharply. That tells me that the tongues was very sharp against her. Jesus stood up. Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, it will be told about this woman. What Jesus actually said prophetically is, the whole world will now hear about her. When I talk to you about this woman, I am fulfilling the scripture that Jesus said. Come on. So what, what happens? The fragrance of her oil that day is now even a fragrance that comes into this building tonight. Come on, church. Jesus said, watch what Jesus said. Jesus actually said, her premeditated act, her premeditated thought, come on, it's not only what she did. It started with a premeditated thought. Jesus said what she premeditated on and what she acted out tonight will now go global. Come on. This happened a few thousand miles away from where we are tonight. But this was so significant and Jesus said the whole world will hear about this. So what am I saying to you, church? There's something in you that if you can release it, it'll go global. When I look at my own life, and I, 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 I think of things that the Lord, the prophets came to me and said, uh, your name will get known in South Africa. Your name will get known in America. You will rub shoulders with certain leaders in America. And that all happened. What happened? Somebody released a prophetic word. I embraced the prophetic word. Then there came a moment that I had to act. And in the moment I acted, I released my faith. And now the fragrance of my faith act took me to another nation. And there's a list of things that has happened because I have acted based on God's word. Now, let me just say something about fragrance and then I'm going to come back to this whole thing. Uh, when you look at the Apostle Paul, uh, oh, let me just first read another scripture to you here. It says here in 2 Corinthians 2, Paul wrote something, and I, and I want to say something about the word fragrance. He says in verse 14, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Always leads us in triumph. Leads us. So now when you, when you look at the scriptures and what Paul wrote, you will sometimes wonder, why does he say certain things the way he say it? He says certain things the way he said because he says it from a Roman background. Come on. Now he says, now thanks be to God. Uh, and he talks about Christ who always leads us in triumph. Leads us means we're going somewhere. I cannot lead you and we stay at the same place. Come on. When I lead you, I take you somewhere. Do you hear what I say? So Paul said, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Uh, 
and, 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 and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So there Paul brings in the word fragrance. When she broke the flask, she released the fragrance. Paul wrote about the fragrance. And then he says, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Wow. So there's two groups. He says, we are the fragrance of Christ. And then he says, number one, among those who are being saved. That's the first group. And then he says, and two, among those who are perishing. So there's a group that are perishing and there's a group that's being saved. That speaks of where we are. You're either in the church or you're outside the church. Come on. Watch what Paul says. He says we are a fragrance to two groups. Wow. He says we are a fragrance to two groups of people. In the house, there were two groups of people. And Paul says... For, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. Watch this. It'll make sense. I'm going to do some explanations here, and then the penny will drop. It'll make sense. He says, to the one, everybody say to the one. He says, we are the aroma of death leading to death. So we are a smell to people that are on their way to death. Wow. And then he says, uh, and, uh, and to the other, that's the second group, and to the other, we are the aroma of life leading to life. What does Paul wrote about? He says Christ leads us in triumph. So we're going somewhere, in a, we're in a march. We're following Christ. He leads us in triumph. And he says, now we release a fragrance. Some that smell the fragrance, for them it's the smell of death leading to death. Others smell our fragrance and they smell it and they say, that's the smell of life leading to life. So even Paul mentioned two groups. And when he says, Christ leads us, watch, watch in the beginning he says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. So Jesus has to do with this victory march. Leads us in triumph. It, it refers to a victory march that normally happened in the Roman days. That's why Paul wrote that. Because normally in the Roman days, when a Roman uh, general gets, uh, uh, gets a victory in the war, the Romans give him a victory march. That's what Paul says. But Paul brings it into Christ. He says, Christ leads us into a victory march. Now, I don't want to preach the whole thing because there's so much revelation here. But in Colossians um, in Colossians 2 verse 15, the Bible says, And he, have dis, he has disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle on them, triumphing over them and in it. Now, actually, uh, Colossians 2 verse 15 is, is, is writing about what happened on the cross. So, Paul wrote about a victory march. He talks about two groups of people. He talks about a fragrance, life leading to life, death leading to death. And Colossians 2.15 talks about uh, how Jesus made a public spectacle. Everybody say public. 
public spectacle of them, plural them. That talks about the devil and all the demons. Come on. Now, what happened here? And, and, and again, I, 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 I have a whole teaching just on the victory march of Christ. It's phenomenal. Uh, but let me just explain to you what happened in the Roman days, and then we will go back to uh, Mark chapter 14. Because again, she broke the flesh, she released a fragrance, the nostrils of the trickster, the murderer, the apostles, uh, 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 the Pharisees, uh, the Sadducees, everybody in the house smelled it. When, when Jesus died on the cross, he was involved in a victory march onto the cross. And what happened on the cross, and this great scripture references for this, what happened on the cross is simply phenomenal. Because it, on the cross, the greatest victory that the world has ever known about happened on the cross. But in the Roman days, it worked like this. When a Roman general won the war, uh, they give him a victory march in Rome. And everybody knows ahead of time when the victory march will take place. And then when the victory march takes place, all the Romans will come into the streets by their thousands. And they will watch this whole victory procession of the Roman general that won the war. Now, the reason Paul talks about a victory march is because he writes from the background as a Roman. Now, normally when a Roman general won the war, he will go to foreign territory and he will come back. And then there's a whole procession. There's a lot of wagons involved. There's the state is involved. The musicians is involved. And, and I'm not going to explain to you every wagon in the whole procession. But normally in this whole victory march, they were on their way to the great arena in Rome where the lions were waiting. Now right in front of the whole victory procession, just more or less, you have the Senate and the state. They were marching right in front. And then uh, you had a wagon, and on the wagon they had an exhibition of what the war zone looked like where the Roman general won the war. Now, when you take this whole victory march, you must see Jesus. This is Jesus' victory march. He leads us in triumph. Now, this victory march, in this victory march, they have the Senate, and then they had a wagon that had the war zone uh, exhibited on it, and that speaks of hell. Christ leads us in his victory march. That's what Paul wrote about. And in, in this victory procession, you must see one of the wagons. It has an exhibition of what hell looks like. And then behind that, they had a wagon, uh, one of the wagons, the first wagons. They had the general who lost the war. The Romans, they took him captive, bring him back to Rome. And they normally put him on a wagon, elevated, and they stripped him naked. And he sat in the public eye naked for all the Romans to see that's the general that lost the war. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 2 that Jesus made a public spectacle of them. Come on. Why? Because Jesus stripped Satan naked. And I don't want to go into all the scriptures. But that's why Paul wrote about it. Come on, I just feel the goosebumps all over me, man, when I quote it. So watch this. You see the Roman, the whole procedure coming by. And here sits a general. He's 
totally stripped naked and every public eye can see what he looks like. Come on, church. When you look in the spirit, that's what Satan looked like. He's not as big as you think he is. He's stripped naked. And then after uh, uh, the general who lost the war was normally the soldiers who lost the war who were taken captive. And they all had chains on their feet. And as they walk, you can hear thousands of them with all the chains. And it speaks of bondage. And they followed their general who sits on a wagon naked. And they already knew that they're on their way to the arena where the lions is waiting. Then um, in the middle, you had a group, and I will come back to this group right now. Following the group in the middle, and there's many other wagons, you had a carriage. Uh, 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 you had a, the general who won the war, and he had a golden carriage with four white horses, and he had a... a, 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 a there's many other things that were significant, and we don't want to preach about the color of the horses and the color because their purple was very much involved and uh, all the royalty colors was there. That speaks of the general who won the war. Come on. He's coming on a white horse. It doesn't Revelation speak about the white horse. So four white horses, general sitting on a golden carriage. That's the general who won the war. And then after him was all the soldiers who won the war with him. That's Jesus and the church. And as they walked through the streets of Rome, all these soldiers who won the war with Jesus on the wagon with the four white horses, all they were doing, they were praising their general. They were praising their general. That speaks of the praises of the church. But what I want to emphasize is this. So in front you have the general stripped naked with his army that were taken captive. In the back you have the general who won the war. That's the Roman general who speaks of Jesus and, and the followers. But right in the middle you had all the priests and the musicians walking in the middle. And the priests had incense sticks in their hands. And they burned these incense sticks. And as they released the fragrance of the incense sticks into the air, the soldiers in front who lost the war smelled it. And when they smelled it, it became the fragrance of death leading to death. And when the soldiers in the back and the Roman soldiers smelt the same fragrance, for them it became the fragrance of life leading to life. So now you understand why Paul wrote about, for we are the fragrance uh, of death leading to death, and for the other, we are the fragrance of life leading to life. So it's the same incense sticks, but it's two groups, two types of nostrils. So when she broke the flask in the house, all of a sudden, some criticized her. Jesus said, no. This fragrance is actually the fragrance of the gospel. And this gospel will go to the ends of the earth. Come on, church. Now you must understand, when we come together like this, not everybody will like what we do in here. Because our fragrance for us, this is life. People, people say, well, I don't like the way you preach. Well... Check 
your nostrils because what I do smell pretty good to me. Uh, and uh, you know, people say, well, we just don't like it. Well, I tell you what, there was a time that I didn't like it either. But you know what? My fragrance may not be nice to other people, but it is for them this fragrance of death leading to death. That's why the church can never become like the world. And the world can never become like the church. And we're living in a day where some churches want to be like the world. They want to be acceptable to the world. They don't want to preach about the cross. They don't even want a cross in the church. They want to talk about the blood of Jesus. They don't want to talk about what happened on the cross. It was too bloody. It was too sweaty. It was too messy. But there's one of the translations says, and on that cross, come on, that's where Jesus stripped Satan naked. On that cross, when Jesus went up the hill with that cross, that's a victory march. It looked like he lost the battle. It looks like humility, but he turned it around. Come on, church. When he died on the cross, he died, and Satan thought he's got him. On the second day, he went to hell, and he took the keys, and he said to Satan, you better give me the keys because I only have three days to complete business. And tomorrow morning is the third day. And I'm going to come out of that tomb. Come on, church. What am I saying to you? She released a fragrance that not everybody liked. But that's why I'm saying, Lord, I cannot be, I cannot get other people's approval for what I need to do. But I'm telling you, uh, I remember in 1992, I sat on my porch in Pretoria, South Africa, and within a split second, the Lord showed me two pictures. And the one has to do with America, and the one had to do with South Africa. That was in 1992. That was five years before I even got on a plane and came here the first time. And when I saw the two pictures, the Lord said to me, uh, oh, oh, that's what's going to happen in your future. Today, 2014, I can confirm that both the pictures that God showed me in 1992 exist today. And if I say to you it exists, I'm not talking about two hamburgers. Because any can bake a hamburger. I mean, I mean, if, if I cannot give you a hamburger, I can get somebody that can do that. I mean, there's a lot of people that can do a hamburger. Come on, I'm not talking about hamburger. When God showed me the two pictures, it was big. Both of that exist today. But that was a premeditated thought. God showed me something of my future, and, and the Lord said to me, in order to make that happen, there will come a season that you will have to go to the party. You will have to go to the house. You will have to go to the right address. You will have to wait for a Kairos moment where you will have to break your flask. You will have to release waste. You will have to pay a price. You will have to break the neck of that container and you will have to pour your life out. You will have to fly. You will have to travel. You will have to trust me. You will have to do things that two businessmen will come to you ultimately and say you are wasting your life. Why do you do this? I had two multi-millionaires that came to me. They are stinking wealthy. They have Porsches left, right and center. They have every kind of Porsche you can desire and they said why do you waste your life? Why did you come and we will help you? And I said 
said, sir, I cannot do what you want me to do. What I do, you will never understand. What I do, you will never comprehend. But I need to do what I need to do. And I thank the Lord I have broken my flask because today I can honestly say that what God showed me in 1992 exists today in America and in South Africa. So what am I saying to you? Don't let your fragrance become an irritation for somebody else and that person talk you out of it. She went global. Come on. Watch this. When she sat in her house and she said, I'm going to take my oil and I'm going to break it. It was a prophetic thing because she did not know exactly when they're going to crucify Jesus. I don't think she had that information, Mary. She just knew now is the time. Now, can you imagine when Jesus hang on the cross and he died, she was at the foot of the cross. And when she looked at what happened, she probably said in her heart, thank God I did not allow anybody to talk me out of that. Come on. Because Jesus spoke about his, his, his death openly. Jesus knew his own hour. And even if some of them did not understand everything that Jesus meant, but when she saw what she saw, she realized, I just did a prophetic act. Some hate me, but others will thank me. For some in the house, for Judas, that was the smell of death to death. For the Pharisees, that was the smell of death to death. But when Jesus smelled it, come on, Jesus' nostrils smelled it. Jesus said, this pleases me. Amazing, it pleases him, but it frustrates somebody else. Now, church, why am I talking to you like that? Because there's something in every one of us that God says, if I can get you to, to release it, I can release a fragrance that will benefit other people. I want to make it simple. There's something in you that can go global. I remember the, the prophecies that I got, and you were right in English. My goodness, I could not even speak English. You were right books in English. I remember how Bill Hammond prophesied to me. You were right, and, 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 and most of your books will be sold in the international world. I will get a book this week to edit. Well, they are editing it, and I will get it back to, to review it. And then I will give them another one that's finished. And, and uh, am I smart? No. Would I have wrote any books if I had stayed in South Africa? Probably not. But there comes a moment that you need to trust what's going on in you. You need to put, you need to believe this thing in me. I know there's some of you that sit here and say, well, I'm not that significant and I'm kind of older. Well, Sarah was 90 years old. And God said, if you believe me, old woman, I want to put something in you that's going to change the world. And three months later, a 90-year-old woman who's supposed to be dying is now pregnant with God's plan. I'm rather 90 years old and look terrible, but I'm pregnant with God's plan. Then 20 years old and there's nothing of God in me. Come on. And what happened? That 
that child brought fragrance somebody say there's fragrance in me somebody say there's purpose in me now uh, you know the story how how they th there was a lottery because they saw the garment of Jesus and the smell of all this oil is now is now in the garment and now everybody wants the garment because they realize this uh, that smell is expensive so so they had a lottery because they wanted to they wanted to destroy the whole garment into pieces and the one the one guy got the garment and he probably went home that night and when he went home I think his wife must have said whose garment is that and I think this is what he said I've got this garment this was a very good man that they crucified but I was the lucky one who won the garment but I think what made the garment so good is the smell in it. Hallelujah. And I think he must have told his wife, this was a good man who died. But I got the garment. Because a woman came, she broke a flask, oil worth $30,000. I don't know. This was a very significant man. And she must have known it before the time. You see, church, the significant thing that stirs in you has something to do with the significance of who he is. I hope I make sense. Jesus hung on the cross. He's about to die. He gives grace to a murderer. Blood, sweat, and tears all over his body. And when he smelled himself, he smelled her worship still sitting on him, still in his hair. The fragrance of her worship, before it went global, went with him to the cross. And when he looked down to her, he realized, not all of them know who I am. But she knew who I was. I noticed it in her worship. You see, church, the way we do church, the way we talk about him, the way we run after him, we chase him, speaks of our revelation of who he is. When I look at you and I say, you were here last night, you are here tonight, you will probably be here tomorrow. When I look at some of you, I can say now to you, you will be here tomorrow morning. You will not miss one meeting. What is it that brings you to the house all the time? Why are you running after God? Can I tell you what? You have smelled the fragrance of who He is. This is life to you. Come on. Why is there so many empty seats in all churches all over the world? Because the empty seat speaks of people who does not recognize the fragrance. For some, it was the smell, the fragrance of life leading to life. For some, it was the fragrance of death leading to death. Have you ever been to a place and there was a smell in the place? And whenever you smell that smell again, it reminds you of that place. Come on. Oh, I don't like that smell. I've been in a place once where that smell. Oh. Come on. A few years ago, a, a man came into my building and he was a multimillionaire and he did not know the Lord. And he was married to a woman who knows the Lord. 
And with halfway into the meeting, he walks out, highly upset. His wife, very tender, loves the Lord. And I had to counsel them a little bit afterwards. But you know what was my battle? No battle with her. For her, that meeting was the fragrance of life. For him, that's the fragrance of death leading to death. When I talked to her, oh, pastor, it was so awesome. When I talked to him, I don't understand that. doesn't make sense to me. It's not God. Why did they do this? Why did they do that? You can explain until you are blue in your face. If you are on the wrong side of the victory procession, it'll smell like death leading to death. But when you are on the other side of the victory procession, the same incense sticks that irritate them will smell to you like life leading to life. When the soldiers in front smell that, friends, that, that incense sticks, they realize we're on our way to the lions. We are dying. When those at the back smell it, they smell life. I think when the Roman general who sat on that golden carriage, when he looked to the left or when he looked to the right, what did he see? He saw the butt of Satan empty. Uh, not empty, naked. Come on. Come on. That's what he saw. He said, well, don't talk about it. That's what Jesus did. Well, I, can, I can preach the whole thing just on the fragrance. Jesus stripped him naked in public. Colossians 2. Jesus made a public spectacle of them. The devil and his soldiers. The devil and his demons. Come on. That's what Paul wrote about. You are here on a Saturday night. Friends in the world will think you're crazy. But you say no. If you just know what fragrance we're in the house Saturday night, that's life to me. When I open the Word and I read it, that's life to me. When the world look at you and they say, well, why do you throw money into that bag? And why do you even stand up and throw it willingly nobody forced you to throw money into the offering bag and I had somebody that came to me before the service and they said pastor we want to throw something in this week for your ministry I did not ask them to do that I don't even know what they're going to throw in but you know what when people talk like that you say I wonder why does this man say he want to throw something in you know what when you're on the right side of the victory procession, these things becomes the way of life because this is life. That's why your friends is not here because what you enjoy frustrates them. Until they accept Jesus as their Savior, this will be death to them. Come on. When Jesus died on the cross, he died as a lamb. The next time, 
The world will see Jesus. They will see him as the lion out of the tribe of Judah. When they were on their way to the arena in Rome, and my wife and I were at the, at the very arena where the lions were waiting on them. It's, an, it's a monument today. And when I saw it, I realized it must be terrible when you're in a victory march because I already had this revelation when I was there. And I thought it must be terrible when you're in a victory march. You smelled death. You were humiliated. Your commander-in-chief is stripped naked. And the Romans, when the Romans saw the general naked, they celebrated. <laughs> Look what he looked like. He's naked. Come on, church. Don't be threatened by Satan. Rejoice in the fact that he's stripped naked. And God made a public spectacle of them not you of them hallelujah say after me thank you jesus that your gospel is a fragrance that smells sweet and pleasant in my nostrils hallelujah i was in africa this year I was in a church of 13,000 people planting churches. And Sunday morning I had to preach. It's a place where Reinhard Bonker preaches. And I stood there, 13,000 people ready to take Africa for Jesus. And while I was preaching, I smelled Africa. I smelled not the typical African smell, but I smelled the people of Africa. I smelled souls. For a split second, I had an experience with the Lord, and I felt like Jesus took his own nostrils and put it on me. And when I smelled the souls of Africa, all of a sudden, a fire came into my heart and a passion for Africa like I never had it before. And I, I was preaching. And while I was preaching, I had this experience with the Lord. And all of a sudden, you know, when you have a, a spiritual experience with the Lord, it happens in split seconds. I was preaching to the people, but I said to the Lord, what's that? And the Lord said to me, I have just given you the fragrance of my love and my passion for people. And I want you to have my nostrils for a split second on you. So that you can smell Africa the way I smell Africa. And when God gave me his nostrils for a moment. I said Lord we must take Africa for Jesus. Jesus we must take this continent. We must get the fire of the Holy Ghost into Africa. I became like a lion. And I thought, what's going on with me? And the Lord said to me, I have borrowed my nostrils to you for a split second. But I cannot keep it on you. It will kill you. Hallelujah. I want you to be a church that releases a fragrance. Not everybody will like you. 
But when some do not like you and love you, it is a sign that you have the right fragrance. You cannot please everybody. When they burn the incense sticks, they knew this smells like death to the guys in front. But it smells like life to the guys in the back. When I preached like this, I could irritate you. That'll tell me on which side you are. But if you love this, it is a confirmation that you know the Lord. Because you say, I cannot get enough of this. What on the earth keeps me going? Many times when I look at myself and I'm tired, I'm 62, I just had my birthday a week ago, and, and I say, my God, how, 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 how can I go on like this longer and longer and longer and longer? But you know what? Every now and then, like this afternoon, I put on my one CD that was recorded in the upper room. And I had a day of rest. And the moment I put the CD on, that's why I mentioned to you in the car, I put the CD on and all of a sudden I felt the Lord is in my room. And I said, God, oh, oh and all I want to do in my spirit is... I just want to inhale the fragrance. And when I inhale the fragrance, I say, Ha! Let's go to the arena where the lion is waiting. Because the lion is not my enemy. The lion is my friend. You see, church, in that day when the lion out of the tribe of Judah will roar... Those that does not know him will fear the roar of the lion out of the tribe of Judah. But when the church hear the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is Jesus, we will say that's our savior. That's our healer. That's our deliverer. That's the man that rescued me from a billion years of hell and brought me into eternity. I feel like I'm in Africa. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. I will break my flask, Lord. You see, church, I need to stop. You see, church, when she took that flask to the house, she knew there's going to be criticism. Do you know that even some of the apostles were there and they did not understand it? That's why God is raising up a generation that's going to go all the way. And even some church people will say, hey, calm down, man, calm down, calm down. There's a lot of people in America, Don't, calm down, man, drink a cup of coffee, man, smoke another cigar. Hey, let's drink a beer, man. Just take a call, man. God, don't be so serious. No. No. Your revelation and my revelation of who he is seems to me to be different. If you know 
what I know. I'm going to break my flask at the party. I don't care what you're going to do. You will find out later on why I did what I did. It could be too late. It's over to you. Leave me alone. When she broke her flask, Jesus stood up. Jesus said, you call it waste, I call it worship. You call it frustration, I say it pleases me. Nobody will ever hear about you. The world will hear about this woman. This will be a memorial to her. Come on. I think she just said to Jesus in heaven, Hey, Jesus, they're talking about me in Arkansas tonight. I think Jesus is saying to her, I told you so. I told you so. But I'm not here for that. I'm here to say to you, that dream in you, that vision in you, that stirring in you. Forgive me for being long-winded. Pastor took so much of my time, I had to take my time back. Teasing you. I had to get that in. No, do it again. I enjoy it. But you know what, church? There comes a time that, that you need to go it alone. I remember, I remember when, when I had to make my decision to come, I had to sell everything I had. Can I tell you something that you don't even know? Can I tell you that there's about four or five people today that are millionaires? In the real sense of the word, millionaires, because of me. I will not go into the detail. The same opportunities that they had, I had. In fact, I had it first. My test was I had to give it away. They did not. They are millionaires today. They are multimillionaires today. They're still making money. I don't. But you know what? I broke my flask. I have a different satisfaction. There was a time that I thought I should have done what they have done. I've given them the concepts. They worked it. It gave them the money they wanted to go after. I had to say goodbye to it because the Lord said to me, you're going to pay the price. But today, I want to be honest with you. I don't want their lives. I want what I have, and I don't have what they have, but I have something else. I have a deep satisfaction in me. I have an upper room emerging in America, and out of the upper room, God is going to stir this nation, and that cannot be bought with a trillion dollars. Even if you print it, you cannot buy the upper room. The upper room does not come by money. It comes by the blood of Jesus Christ. I broke my flask, but I want to invite you tonight. Release that thing. You have a dream. It could be a business concept. You never know where it will end. But unless you break the flask, it will never work. Unless you pour the oil, you will never know what will come out of the oil. Huh. 
It's time that the church hear about your dreams, your visions, your stirrings, your ideas, your thoughts. How many of you say tonight, it may be insignificant, but I will never know the size of this thing in me until I release it. Church, can I be honest with you? My wife and I, we have home discussions all the time. And I said to her, Naomi, I, I, I said, I can just thank the Lord that I did what I did. Because now in 2014, knowing what I know, knowing what I knew in 95, knowing what I know now, knowing what I saw in 92, knowing that what exists now, I would have made a terrible mistake if I had not trusted what God has invested in me. I'm going to go to the party. I'm going to break my flask. I'm going to irritate some people. I don't care. I'm going to break it in a moment's time. I'm going to waste it in one pouring. But out of my waste will come a fragrance that will touch the globe. If you say, there's something in me. I don't understand it. I don't know how to articulate it. I don't really understand. I don't know what it is. I just know there's a thing in me that cannot, it doesn't go away. Come on, church. The devil will never put in you a noble, pure, good, authentic, transparent idea, dream to bless the kingdom. The devil doesn't do that. If you have something in you, even if you think it's simple and insignificant, stand on your feet, come to the altar. I want to pray and I want to stir that gift in you tonight because you have something I need and I need to get it out of you. You're not going to get it out of me. There's something I need to get out of you. Oh, come on. I've got somebody in the back. 